The Boarding Schools Expo takes the time and stress out of finding the right school to meet your family's needs. By bringing schools to major centres where they're all under the one roof, the Boarding School Expo gives your family the chance to discuss your educational needs directly with representatives of the school. In 2022, they're launching Boarding Expo 365, a virtual expo reaching families across Australia. Whether you're up in the Kimberley, flying choppers east of Normanton, or making Bree on King Island, Boarding Expo 365 will showcase schools right from your kitchen table. It's truly destination boarding from wherever you call home. Head to their website, boardingexpo.com.au, to discover your boarding school options today. Listening to the Central Station Podcast, where we bring you true stories of what life in the outback is really like and why many wouldn't live anywhere else. So pull up a stump, pop the billy on, or crack a cold one as we talk to the men and women who call some of the most remote parts of Australia home. This podcast is brought to you by Ariat Australia, the perfect choice for the tough jobs. Ariat boots and clothing work hard, look good, and are so comfortable there's never a need to slow down. Visit ariat.com.au today. Nikita Morris doesn't like being called an influencer, but there are tens of thousands of people who avidly follow her every move on social media captivated by her candid stories about station life and her stunning good looks. But she's so much more than a pretty face. In this episode, Nikita opens up about a love of history, tradition and growing up on Andulia Station. She talks about hitting the road, driving with her future husband Luke, becoming a new mother to her son Wiley and why opening up on social media about her experiences helps her deal with the highs and lows. To start our episode, I asked Nikita what she was like as a child. Mum has told me that when I was younger, I tipped a whole thing, like a whole tub of Milo into a fish tank <laughs> and glitter. Um, and I used to go around and cut all our uh, like TV cords and lamp cords with scissors while they were still plugged in. To the PowerPoints. Oh my God. <laughs> How are you still alive? And also, I don't know. those poor fish, like they would have looked fabulous with those sparkles, but mm, I don't know if they can eat Milo. Yeah. I used to get into everything. Um, we had a whole 44 full of oil and um, it had a hand pump on it. And I was down there one day by myself and I pumped this whole drum of oil everywhere in the shed floor. And I got a bit of a hiding for that oh my gosh <laughs> I just love that you this year have become a mother yourself for the first time so it's it won't be long until karma's coming back to get you oh yeah bite you in the bum he's gonna be naughty yeah <laughs> I'm ready for it so what was it like growing up on Undulia station it's been your family for a long time and it is a family station and there's a lot of kids so what did that look like because my cousins lived here as well, we all sort of hung out together. Every weekend we'd all go riding around in the motorbikes or 
we'd jump on the horses and go for a ride down the creek or things like that. And we'd always go exploring, always down to the creek. There's some nice water holes and things down there. We'd take all the dogs and go for a swim. How many kids would there have been on the place then? Uh, eight. Eight of us. Wow. Yeah. And also, I suppose the other thing that's quite unique about Andulia is that you're only about 20 or 30 k's out of town. Yep, not far. So, yeah, does that mean you got to go to school in town or did yeah. you do school there? Yeah, no, we went to school in town. Yeah, it was um, it was not too bad. I don't know what it would have been like if we'd gone to school of the air, but, yeah, I suppose it was pretty good. Like, we got to have friends, like, be with other people, um, enjoy classes and do sports and things like that as well. I wouldn't say like we're we grew up on a station. We're station people, but we're we're that close to town that it also feels like we're town people oh, as well. Okay. So tell me a bit more about Andulia and what it's like growing up on a cattle station, but it's a very different cattle station in the sense of how its proximity to town. We'd grow up with all the horses and the all our dogs and be able to ride the motorbikes whenever we sort of wanted. Uh, we'd be able to go out mustering and help out, but we'd also be able to run into town and grab a, like a loaf of bread during the day or if we needed a spare part or something like that, we could just run into town and get it. Um, McDonald's, <laughs> run into town and grab McDonald's. I was doing that pretty often. <laughs> but, yeah, no, no, it was really handy having town right there. Um, sometimes it'd be nicer to be away from town. You wouldn't have reception as much, which would be quite nice. Sounds like the best of both worlds. Like out here right now, there's no way from even just walking around the homestead that you can tell that Alice is only 20 or 30 k's away. There's, you just, we could be on any station in Australia. Um, you've got that vastness, the, I guess the sense of being remote. And like you said, you, you, it's all the same workings as any other cattle station that you've got cattle, you've got waters to maintain helicopters coming in you just sent me a video yesterday you guys are out mustering and <laughs> sent me some a video of a helicopter doing some cool air work and but at the same time yeah like if you need something right now you can just run and be like oh well this is closing at five and just <laughs> pop on into town yeah pretty much um no it was good like uh why will it why we were at school um if the creek flowed started flowing mum would have to race into town pick us up from school and race back before it got too high otherwise we'd be stuck out here oh sorry stuck in town um and then if they were mustering or doing cattle work out here we normally sometimes if we really push for it or really pretended to be sick we'd get the day off school to come and help <laughs> if mum got you back here in time before the creek rose does it, and it obviously would usually stay up overnight. Does that mean that you would get to miss school for the next couple of days? Yeah. That's, it was it, awesome. That I can see how that would be great from your perspective. But if I was your mum, I would like <laughs> fake a flat tire or something. Be like, oh no, I didn't make it into town in time and call a friend and be like, can you please look after <laughs> the kids tonight and for the next week while the creek's up? Like, <laughs> yeah, she could have played that so well. Yeah. I'll have to ask her. I'll be like, why, why did you not do this? <laughs> So you're growing up on a cattle station doing all the things that regular kids, you know, regular childhood for any kid on a, on a property or a farm in Australia does. But you also have this juxtaposition of being so close to town and having all, you know, access to all the resources and all the perks of town life. Did you find yourself being drawn more to life in town or more to life on the station? 
Um, I'd say more life on the station. Yeah. Um, town was always a bit too busy for me and I'm not the most social person. I prefer to be out with animals than people. So there's never a time where you're like, oh, I can't wait till I graduate high school. I'm going to move into town, get an apartment, get like a cool little office job or whatever. And, you know, or, or not even town, like I'm going to move to Sydney or Melbourne or, you know, somewhere else. Um, no, I never got that. No, I never. Um, I always wanted to move out, move back home and run the place. Um, yeah, I never, never wanted to move into town. No inkling, <laughs> none, none at all. <laughs> no, I love it. The look on your face right now. You're like, yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> so when you did finish school, what did you think you were going to do? Um, well, dad told us kids that you're not allowed to come back to the station unless you go and get a trade, um, or apprenticeship. And so my plan was to go and do that and then finish it and eventually come back out to the station and run it. Um, but yeah, buddy, things have changed. Life gets in the way. <laughs> it does. How does it, um, I mean, I, I'm probably, because I know your parents a little bit and your family, I think I kind of already know where this may be going. But so of the five kids, the eldest four are girls and the youngest is a boy. Traditionally, like maybe this is quite an, you know, quite an outdated um, anecdote, but you know, women, you know, or girls not being, you know, able to inherit the family property or the farm or, or say even, uh, we've had Tanya Heaslip on the podcast twice, who is another Alice Springs girl, but you know, probably 30, 40 years before your time, you know, a different generation where when she finished school, there was no option for her to come home. Like that wasn't, that wasn't even on the card. So were your parents supportive of the idea of you wanting to come home? Like aside from the fact that they wanted you to go out and kind of get, get that trade or qualification? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, they've always been very supportive of us, uh, of all of us kids. Um, but I think out of all of us, um, probably, uh, we'll almost end up getting left to my brother. Um, I think mainly because he's got the last name to carry it on and I'm pretty sure all of us uh, girls are pretty okay with that. We've all got our own sort of lives now with our own partners. Um, I'm trying to start families and make homes with them in other places now. Is that something that's really – do that take a while to, I guess, find peace with that? Because it must be hard. I mean, this would be for any farming family in Australia – you know, you can only split the place up so many times before it doesn't like become viable. And you guys, do you know what generation, would you guys be like fifth or sixth, sixth, sixth generation or probably yeah, even, sixth. yeah. So, you know, to have it this long and still be in the family is, a, you know, 150 years this year, this place has been your families, which is, or family, not families, um, which is a record, you know, and a massive achievement in and of itself. But, yeah, there's. I mean, there's just no way you could split it up into five blocks and that no. you guys would be able to keep it going. No, and we're one of the smallest um, pastoral properties around the district as well. And um, I think my sisters and I, we're very oh, – the whole family, we um, love tradition. We're very um, – anything to do with it, we love it. So that's why we're sort of like we want it to stay in the Hayes family as long as possible because we want – Wanted to keep going. What was it like growing up with that tradition then and knowing that, you know, this piece of land you're on and the home, you know, the homestead we've just come over from has been here for, you know, 
now 150 years, so I guess, you know, 120-something, you know, since you were, you've been around and there's photos in the – you walk into this one room and there's these really old, amazing photos. <laughs> they look like they've come off the Titanic, uh, which they probably have actually. <laughs> but what was it like growing up with all of that? Um, it was pretty amazing. We um, – I don't know, like history, yeah, has always been a really big part of our family. We um, – I don't know about all my sisters and my brother how – involved and how much they love history but I love history um anything to do with our family I um try and learn try and remember as much as possible like there's so many stories that dad um can tell and he just knows everything about well pretty well everything about our whole family history and yeah I'd like to hopefully learn all that too it's pretty incredible to have the records you guys do and so your dad was saying there's like a diary from yeah, um, there's a diary of every single year since 1924, I think, or 23. Yeah, so every single year since then there's been a diary and every single day there's an entry. So, um, yeah, even Dad now, he keeps a diary every single year and every single day he writes in it. What can you tell us? I know we'll get a lot from your dad in his episode and I know also, um, full disclosure, I'm putting you on the spot because you – have a two-month or almost three-month-old newborn baby, so we know baby brain is a real thing. <laughs> I also know that you've had a concussion in the past, which also has, like, played some tricks with your memory. But <laughs> just to put you on the spot, what you know, you said you love history and learning about your family. What's the thing that you've loved learning the most or that you find the most interesting? Um, I think I find the most interesting would have to be about the women that um, that have – come out and that we're putting in the steel post for the telegraph line. Um, They, I find it amazing, like the clothes that they wore back then and how hot it is today, how hot it would have been back then as well. And the clothes, amount of clothes that they wore and all white. I don't know how they stayed white. (laughs) Um, And just how tough they were as well. Like the women were just as tough as the men, like, and it's funny, like, you see stations now and there's almost more women working on stations than what there was. And there's so much um, attention brought up around women on stations, but they've sort of been on stations the entire time and always been like a bit of a backbone of it as well, like always um, being able to cook meals during the day and go out and help men as well. It's funny, I wonder when... If, if there was a change or if it was just the perception, because as you said, like it it's, isn't, it's been documented in a few books I've read about, like early settlers in the territory and stuff, the things that women did. But it feels like the last couple of decades, there's just been this big push to reclaim like, oh, we're women, we can do what you can do, um, you know, give us a fair go, all that kind of stuff, which I get. I'm not saying it's not. Like it's unfounded. I'm like, oh, I'm going to be. I'm the same as you. I'm going to be getting some people like their backs up. I can already hear the haters like hissing at me in their cars. All the feminists. Yeah, but at the same time, like there was a time, and and I feel like there was a period of time, probably not that long ago, where it was like, oh no, you know, I'll say somewhere else or whatever, you know, like oh, we're sharing, like you know, get out of the shed and go cook smoke or whatever. And I'm sure, I know that definitely, and I've certainly felt it as a woman before, like being like, oh, you're the, but. 
knowing that back in the day, like you said, there were women that were putting in these steel posts for the telegraph line and doing all these other things. Like, how did it get from that? And then I guess go backwards to get to some other weird point that we're kind of clawing our way back from now. Like, how did, how did we go backwards to be coming forwards now? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It sort of went from like, um, women were sort of out, out in the, um, like stockyards and things like that actually helping. And then it sort of got pushed that they should be in the kitchen. And then now it's sort of, yeah, they're out back out in the yards again. Yeah. I'm just wondering when the narrative changed and who did it because, you know, say every year when Anzac Day, we just had Anzac Day a few days ago, um, and you'll see a post about, you know, when all the men were away at war, the women were running the properties and doing all the things. So women have been doing stuff. I'm not saying that there's never been, like, obviously there's been a lot of oppression and, I don't know, gender bias and gender I mean, still today, pay gaps and all, all that. So I'm not saying none of that exists, but it's just interesting that it's not as clear cut as it, I guess it kind of feels like when you read about it or hear about it, that, yeah. it, that, you know, we've just come from weak little nothings <laughs> and we're kind of finally just getting, you know, out on, on our own two feet now. Cause yeah, there's been periods of time where women have been empowered and, and involved. Yeah. Like even, um, even today, like I still get told that I can't do something. And honestly, like there's some things I can't do that a bloke can do. Like, I can't go and lift up a truck tire and chuck that on the back of the ute unless I tie a rope to it, put it up in a tree, yeah. like tow it up with a – tie it to the car, tow it up a tree, and then tie it in the tree and reverse back. I've done that with a calf. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but there's just things I can't lift or I can't do because I'm a girl. I think it's – um, oh, a friend of mine, Catherine Mayer, used to say something about, like, it's not – you know, like, yes, men and women are different, but it's not about one being better than the other. It's just about understanding and celebrating your um, differences. And so, because I know there's some people that are like, and I, and I get why they may feel that way and, and be trying to push this idea of like, well, anything a man can do, I can do. And I'm like, well, actually not and vice versa. But there is a lot of things we can do. But yeah, sometimes you just need that brute strength. And there's, there are girls out there that have that brute strength. I don't. I'm pretty bloody useless. <laughs> but then that's where you have, and, and it's the same in any team. Like when you build a team, like a stock camp, or as you would know, like running, like contracting crews, like you want people with all these different skill sets that complement each other so that you don't need 10 meatheads that are all just muscle. You need someone that's going to remember that vaccine needs to stay cold and go on the fridge or that, you know, if something has a cool head in an emergency or understands the legislation that you're bound by in every activity you're doing and like, hey, you actually can't do that because we're breaking the law. You know, like we need – so I think when it comes to the men and women thing, it's that like, yes, there's a lot we can do, but let's also not try and – have some kind of pissing contest. Yeah. Yeah. I love exactly. that. This light line of thought was completely <laughs> not expected. <laughs> well, speaking of being capable, I suppose that is something I, I had written down that I wanted to talk to you about because we'll move into the the part now, I guess, where you're known for. So on Instagram, I guess you're like one of there's there's a handful in industry. I feel like there's mainly two, maybe three of you like Insta famous girls in the ag industry. <laughs> um and our, I guess like our influences, but the the thing is, and I I have done this to people before. It's so easy to judge people at face value, and there's no easy way to say this, but like you are ridiculously hot. Like <laughs> she was beaten with the pretty stick. I know <laughs> Nikita's like, ah, uh, cancel. Can we please cancel this now? I don't want to do this anymore. 
And obviously Instagram is a very visual platform. We know like a lot of influencers, like, you know, anyone like you, but you look like you've just walked off the set of The Bachelor or something, you know, like you're one of those amazing girls that's just rocked up there on the cocktail dress. Like we all know there's a standard people have to meet if they want to get cast on that show. Well, just before Luke and I met each other, I actually applied for it. Oh, really? Yeah, and they, they actually flew me over. <gasps> see, I knew it. I knew it. Because like you don't see, they're, they're definitely trying to be more diverse in recent years. but. Yep. Just they're just kind of doing the diversity in like uh, nationality and like you know that sort of thing. They're not really doing diversity in like looks. Like they're not putting in some fours with the tens. They're still all like eight, nine, tens. <laughs> um, so yeah, that makes sense that you would make it through to that stage. Um, but where did all that come from? I guess was that just you again growing up with your parents? Like anything they did, you did kind of thing, and not that you were the girls and you had to. Yeah, pretty much. Um, no, I was a very, I was a tomboy as a kid and I was always out with dad. We'd go around, um, and do ball runs and go mustering and drafting all the time. We used to go out to the gardens and, um, camp out over there. Um, even when there was bushfires, dad and I used to go out and we'd spend, um, a couple of days just there fighting fires and, um, trying to sleep on dirt and stuff like that every, time you got a bit of an hour but um and that's a station for everyone listening she's not talking about her backyard oh sorry yes. <laughs> the guns <laughs> um but yeah we pretty much just grew up doing that sort of stuff i don't think cuz they don't teach anything like that at school pretty much everything was just taught from my parents and and luke's taught me a fair bit too actually he has Coming back to leaving school, what did you think you wanted to do and how did that actually pan out? I don't think I really had a plan in my head. When I left school, I was in year – no, I had moved back from boarding school in year 11 to come back to school here in Alice and I did a term of year 12 in Alice Springs and was like, no, that's enough for me. I don't like school. Turns out I actually did love school once I'd left, um, but I went straight into a beauty diploma, so I'm a beauty therapist by trade. <laughs> oh, so your dad said go off and get a trade, and yeah. you did? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I thought the way yeah. you were talking about it before, you meant like, oh, no, I never got a trade. You did get a trade. Yeah, yeah. Hey, it's still a trade, and it's very valuable. <laughs> it is. It um, My course went for like a year. It was the quickest one I could find, <laughs> and I chose that. Um, so that I could go back out bush and yeah, that's what I did. As soon as I finished that, I just went back out bush. I think beauty therapy is actually a pretty handy trade to have because it gives you off farm income and diversity and options. And I've actually had this, I probably shouldn't put this in the podcast because someone's going to steal my idea now. I was actually looking into doing a course like during COVID in it because I was like, how good would it be if you got like a little trailer set up? with like the table in it, like a little air-conditioned trailer, and you just take it to all the camp drafts and rodeos. But you'd probably just spend your whole weekend looking at hoo-hahs, like just <laughs> waxing, just wax, 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 wax. But like I feel like that would be a real money spinner. That especially, is a really good idea. Especially if somebody is like a camp drafter, it would probably cover your noms and then some. So anybody listening, I guess you can take my idea, but Nikita, you should get on that first. <laughs> <laughs> that is a really good idea. Yeah, yeah, like a little transportable yeah. like 
thing. Like, that you, you know how they have those dog washes? Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> those that. Trailers. But that, or same like, you know, the little ice cream vans yeah. or um, hot chip vans that you see at all the events. You could take it to all the rodeos, to everything. Yeah. And for any, you know, bush event, people don't often, especially out in stations, don't get to go into town. When they do, they don't have time to, you know. So they might yeah. like to get a little bedazzling. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> So you you got your trade, probably yeah, not quite what your dad had in mind, but he said a trade. He didn't specify yes. that it had to be agricultural or mechanical or engineering. No. So he just said a trade. And I kind of picked beauty because if anything ever fell through with cattle work, um like beauty is something that will always be around and it's really easy to get into because everyone's always looking for workers in the beauty industry. Yeah. And it, and when it's diverse skills, like you'd still need to have some kind of business acumen, be a people person, manage relationships. And that's something you would use in any job anywhere. So you've got those transferable skills and you always know how to make yourself look presentable. <laughs> um, so with um, attaining that, was dad happy to let you come home and work on the place? Yeah, yeah. Um, when I'd finished up all my beauty, dad said, come out home and yeah, we'll make a start. And so how long were you at home for? Um, I think it was three or four years. I'm not 100% sure. One of them. So what was it, what was it like working at home? I suppose we often hear stories of people being like, Oh, I can't wait till I grow up and I can like get out of this town or that sounds like such a cliche from a movie or a song or something. <laughs> Everyone seems to hate their hometowns in like every TV show, movie, <laughs> song, everything. I don't know why. Hometowns aren't that bad. Every American country song like, um, you know, or I just want to get as far away as possible. But you were like, no, I want to come back. Like, Yeah, I'm probably like that with town. I don't like town. Yeah. <laughs> but I like home. Yeah, I um, I really enjoyed being back. It it was good because I got to experience it as I was older um, and I got to actually go out and go on adventures and see things that I'd never seen before and just things like that. It was good. Like a different level of responsibility. Yeah, yeah. I was older and I could actually um, appreciate home a lot more and um, things like I learnt that had taught me how to track um, cattle and dogs and things like that. So I was constantly still learning things. That's good. I guess that it goes without saying then that you must have a pretty good relationship with your parents and get on with them to be able to come back as an adult and live, I love the look on your face now, <laughs> and live and work with them, you know, full time. Like you'd have to, I mean, if you didn't get along, that wouldn't have worked out, especially for three or four years. I'm sure it had its moments though. Oh, yeah. Um, like every family, it has its moments. Um, but we have always been a very tight family. Um, even now we're still all very tight and we've got a big family group chat. We all talk to each other on that and even – um. We've got another family group chat with all my cousins, aunties and uncles, um, grandparents. So we all always all keep in contact with each other, showing photos and videos from our day and making sure we know how everyone's going. Oh, my God, my heart's melting. <laughs> this is like when I watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians, I get, like, really envious <laughs> of them, not because of, like, everything else that people usually focus on, but, like, how tight they are as a family. And I do remember – very clearly last year at your wedding. So how old would you have been what, Yeah, last year, this year? Vaguely. How, how old am I? Yeah. <laughs> She's um, having a, that baby brain's coming in. She's having 26, a 26, I think. Okay. 
And so your little brother would have been 17 last year then because he was yes. it was last year yep, of school. Yeah, because it was his 18th this year. Okay. I remember that. So there's six. So about an eight-year gap between the eldest and the youngest. Nine, I think. Nine, okay. Um, I remember very clearly last year at the wedding, like all your siblings dancing. And then so there's four girls and your little brother. And he was like swing dancing with all his sisters. Like you guys are just having <laughs> the best time. And I was like, my little brother, there's no way in hell he would do that. But also- even now as like a 30-year-old guy, he wouldn't do that. But as a teenage boy, you'd be like, oh, like that's not cool and oh, that's my sister. Like your family was just having the best, <laughs> like most innocent, joyful, like happy, like pure, joyous time. And I was there being like, oh, my God, I want to be adopted in. Like <laughs> I wonder if they want a sixth child. Like <laughs> It was a great party. Like, oh. for a, like it was obviously a wedding, but just it was – so chilled out and everyone had like, well, I think everyone had a good time. And that night we didn't go to bed until like seven o'clock the next morning, but it was just such a good party and everybody got into the dancing as well. Oh, I just, yeah. I just love seeing how I think because I'm one of five and our sibling dynamic is like, we're still like friendly and close, but not on the same level of you guys or, or the Kardashians or anything or even our family. So when I see families that close, I feel quite envious and like, I think, yeah, what you guys have is really special. So when you came home to work for three or four years, being the eldest and you would have been in your early twenties, the rest of your siblings would have still been teenagers and your brother still probably just starting high school or something. So I guess was that also a draw card to keep you home and around is that you still getting to kind of see them grow up and be around them? Yeah. Um, well, I had two sisters at boarding school in Adelaide at the time. Um, and then my little brother and other sister were in school in town. Um, and then eventually they have all gone to boarding school as well. So we haven't really got to see each other a lot. My second oldest sister, she went to boarding school since year seven. Um, and she'd finished year 12. So we are a very tight family, but we've also, because we've gone to boarding school, we've sort of learnt how to wean ourselves off of family, like um, not be as homesick and rely on our family as much. Like we have been very um, independent, yes. Yeah. I guess though that must um, kind of push you to to learn, to re- like to make the most of the time you do have together because you know that – Unlike, yeah, if you all just went to high school in town and you all see each other all the time, like the time you're going to have is, on each other. is, yeah, is, <laughs> I guess you guys would have a lot more of a limited time. So yeah, to make the most of it. Yeah. And like, um, even now, like with Wiley, being, we've only been home for a month and pretty well every single night, mum and dad will have Wiley for the night to bath him. So their mum or dad will be in the shower and mum will come and grab Wiley take him in, they'll give him a little bit of a bath and then mum will take him back out, dress him, powder him up and then bring him back to me for a feed. So it's like their sort of little ritual before we head off and I want to make sure that because he's just started smiling and he's just started um, doing a little bit of a laugh and I'm so glad that he's done that since we've been here. I can confirm that this child did a very like – charismatic, raised one <laughs> eyebrow. I mean, he was probably letting off some kind of a fart, but he did give like the whole like one eyebrow, Joey Tribbiani from Friends, like, how you doing when I was holding him today? And I was just like looking at him, I was like, did he just, I didn't imagine that he did. I mean, it was probably some kind of like a 
nerve reaction or something and he didn't realize he was doing it but i'm pretty sure it just it was the funniest thing (laughs) speaking of wiley though you did at some point meet your husband and i know that you met not in alice Springs. so after wanting to be home for all that time you ended up going away and working elsewhere where did you go and what were you doing yeah um i ended up leaving home and i went I flew over to Tamworth and I just started a job on a um, Paul Hereford and Angus stud over in um, Carabubula, just outside of Tamworth. God, can you say that three times in a row? Carabubula, Carabubula, Carabubula. It's hard. <laughs> I don't think I, I'm not even going to attempt to say it once. It. I was going to say, I don't even want to try and say it. <laughs> and were you already on, like, kind of doing the Instagram thing before you went there? I've had it since 2013. Okay. When do you think – I do want to – I mean, we'll talk about it a few times. So, when do you think the – like, your Instagram started to, like, pick up and become, like, a thing? Um, I would have to say probably when I came – moved out home. When I finished my beauty, I – when I yeah, when I came out to the station and started posting photos about the station and working on the station – that's when it sort of really kicked off. Um, posting photos about the station or posting photos of you on the station? The station, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, I know we're like 90% of people would be like, who's this hot chick on the station? <laughs> That's just the first thing they see, darling. Then they get to know you and they'll get to know you from this episode to know there's so much more. But you um, – Okay, so you're already doing like the Instagram thing and you went over there and tell me the story about how you met the future husband. Um, you can't, you can't be shy about this because they, they told, your celebrant told it at the ceremony. Yeah, but I don't know if it was a full. She, she told the PG version. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell the celebrant version then. Um, yeah, so I'd moved to Tamworth, well, Carabubba, and the people I was working for, I said to me, it was a Thursday night, and they said to me, do you want to come down to the pub for a schnitzel night? So I was like, yeah, sure, I'll come down. So we went down there, and um, Luke had already known who I was before I even got there. Uh, one of his friends told him that there's this new girl that's just moved. They saw my Instagram. There's this new girl <laughs> that's just moved here. Come down and check her out. Like, she's here at the pub. So... <laughs> this Instagram girl's here yeah. in real life. Quick. Yeah. So Luke drove an hour from where he was to come and just see me. And Did um, he bring something for you to sign? No, he didn't even talk to me. I was sitting there and I was just looking over and all of a sudden I saw him coming towards me and I was like, oh, he's really cute. And I was like, I hope he's part of the group and, like, stays. And he was but we never spoke or anything. We just, like, sort of looked at each other every now and again. And then that was it. Um, And then Saturday night, the same friend messaged me and said, hey, did you want to come down to the pub and meet a few people? And I was like, yeah, sure, that'd be great. So I went down there and I was the only girl out of, like, ten blokes that were there and the only sober one too. (laughs) And there was all these blokes there talking to me and Luke was probably the only one that wasn't really giving me much attention. <laughs> um, but, yeah, one of his mates actually said, do you want to go driving? And I didn't know. I thought driving was like an old 
thing where it's like an old bushman with a old beard and shaggy and clothes. Sw- the old swag man. Yeah, yeah. that's what I thought a drover was and I thought that wasn't a thing anymore. Um, and he asked if I wanted to do that and I was like, yeah, sure. And then Luke thought he better try something a bit more so he whipped out. He had a few puppies in the back that of the car. That is not where I thought that was going. So he whipped out. Yeah, so he whipped out. There was out. a pause Sorry. there. <laughs> he had the puppies in the back of his ute that he went and grabbed these puppies and brought them out and put one on my lap and I was like, oh, like I, don't, I like dogs, I like puppies, but they're not going to win me over. But, yeah, and then, then his mate said, okay, well, I'm going to go driving. Like, do you still want to come? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I actually left with Luke's friend left Luke there <laughs> and um I don't think Luke was too impressed he went somewhere else uh for a, like there was a friend's wedding or something like that and he I think got the tail end of that um and yeah I went with this other bloke um at three o'clock in the morning went to go and get my boots and shoes and everything um and went driving for the day and then that night I got a snapchat off of Luke I don't know how he got my Snapchat, but I got a Snapchat from him saying, how are you going, old Grover? <laughs> and then it just started from there. And that was it? Yeah. So for our listeners that may not know what droving is or have that um, antiquated, I uh, guess, idea of what it is, what what is it? Um, pretty much you have your uh, mob of cattle and you take them on a stock route uh, along a road or wherever, um, pretty much just feeding, feeding them, um, along the sides of the road. Not so much trying to fatten anything up so much more is just either keeping them alive, um, if it's a really bad drought or getting from, uh, your, like from where you are to your destination. Yeah. Um, most people have like a, few horses um, in their plant and motorbikes and dogs um, and they'll just go from, I think it's five kilometres you have to, if you've got a grazing permit, you can sort of graze around but if I'm pretty sure you have to move at least five kilometres a day. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, um, I guess that's not that far to move but it sounds like a big number. So, so people are taking their cattle out to, I guess, eat the grass that's not on their own property, kind of like that, um, like government land or, you know, designated yeah. areas that is kind of no man's land in yeah. a way. Like, you know, we drive down the, the highway here and, well, actually maybe not here because we're driving through your station, but you're driving through a highway somewhere and you see fences on either side, but there's yeah. still that, that verge that you might see the council slashing otherwise. But- yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of, it's sort of like a gisting, but on the road. Um, so you still pay your rates. So you, I think it's a certain amount of cents or dollars per animal, um, to be on the road. And then sometimes there will be like a, um, registered dam for the mobs that go on the road, but sometimes there's not. So you've actually got to cart water out to them with a, like a portable trough as well. Sounds like you know a bit about driving. Did you, after that day, did you end up doing any more of it? Yeah. Um, after that, Luke and I ended up getting together and we've had two mobs of cattle on the road since we've been together. Oh, wow. And so how long were you on the road at a time for? Um, I think our longest time was 
probably around five months. Five months. Yeah, so it's, on it's the not road. that long, but it's long enough to be sleeping in the back of a horse truck on a, <laughs> on a swag. <laughs> no, five months is a pretty long time to be like not living in a house, like to be living out of here, a swag, a bag, and sleeping in a horse truck. So for these five months, was it just you and Luke, or did you have other people with you? Um, it was pretty much just, yeah, me and Luke. Wow, if that's not one way to forge the relationship in fire and it was tough. Yeah, you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna know one way or the other by the end of it. Yeah, that's for sure. Jump straight in, well, why don't you? Yes, it was um, it was very, it was a big eye opener. It was nice though. Um, I quite enjoyed how sort of you see you'd have that many people dropping in all the time. Um, talking to you and things like that, but it was also a very, um, I wouldn't say like a lonely job or anything like that, but it was nice to spend that much time with each other. So when you say it was a big eye-opener, in what way do you mean? Um, pretty much like I still didn't, like I didn't think that that sort of stuff had happened anymore. Um, and... It, an eye opener in a way is like there's some people that are very open to drovers and happy for them to come along and eat the grass on the side of the roads, but there's also some people that think the grass on the side of the roads at the front of their block is theirs, and they get very cranky. <laughs> Did you have some run-ins with people? Yeah, yeah I had quite a few blues with people. Really? <laughs> Even though it's all. You've got permits and oh, paperwork yeah. and it's all approved, all done by the book. You still had people. Yeah. How awkward would that be? Yeah. Um, it was, I don't know. I'm not a very confrontational person either. So when I do sort of have a blue with somebody, I like my whole body sort of goes into like limp mode and I'm just like, I get hot <laughs> and I just start like not so much going off. But I don't control anything I say. Do you get sassy? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I, had, I had one lady have a go at me and as she was having a go at me, I was in the car at the time, I just put the window up on her. <laughs> she didn't like that very much. She drove off pretty quick. Good and then, for you. And then I found out there was some other people where we were um, driving, some that we'd made friends with. She said um, <laughs> that that lady had... Um, bad mouth me to, to a sort of, um, kids, all the other kids' parents at school. Oh no. So, yeah, they all knew me as this little long girl that had a go at her. Oh wow. <laughs> How long would you be in one area for at a time? Um, we were sort of just, um, around young at the time. Um, oh, so uh, it's not like you can, like, in three weeks' time, you should be way off in the distance. No. Like, she's still kind of nearby. Yeah. Well, our first mob we had was at North Star. Um, and our second mob was, yeah, in Young, but we was sort of went from Kudamandra, um, to Young. And then because we were on, in these little side roads all the time, we didn't really get out of town. Like, we actually went through a few streets of town. Well, how does that work with, I'm guessing, obviously, the cattle are going to go to the bathroom um, when you're driving and cattle trucks have to take certain routes to try and, you know, avoid excrement getting in, you know, so you don't litter the main street. But if you're walking cattle down the main street of town, 
do you like do they expect you to come back and try and clean up after them or just well, let cars drive into it? Well, we never really made it down the main street of town. Um, we were just sort of on the outskirts and we went through a few little side streets. But um, but yeah, no, we just sort of left just let them do their things. <laughs> and so you'd make friends with other people along the way. Yeah, yeah, we've um actually made friends with a lot of other people there. That's um. So what what were your jobs that you had to do while droving? So were you guys both on horses? Or I feel like I've seen a lot of um, photos and videos of you on a motorbike as well. Yep. So um, Luke also had some people's horses that he was riding for them um, at the time and I was sort of a bit of both motorbike and horse. Um, yeah, my uh, my jobs were sort of Luke – had his truck license, so or has his truck license, so he'd go in and fill up the water cart and then bring that back out um, so that we could water all the cattle because, yeah, there's not many spots out there that had an actual dam at the reserve. But um, so he used to leave for a few hours, so I'd have to stay there by myself with all the cattle and um, just use the dogs to help block them up and I'd have to sort of ride from one end to the other end pretty quickly just to make sure that nothing's sort of going any um any further and running away but um but yeah also my jobs were uh there was a few places where the cows had got into somebody's yard <laughs> so I'd have to fix their fence um and just things like that I know there's all these things that I should be asking you but I'm really just thinking about all the mean grumpy people and wanting to know all those stories but I won't make you go into detail on that I just (laughs) that's certainly something I've learned like something new I've learned today that yeah even though it's um that land is you know a designated stock route that stock route depending on what what people (laughs) want to call it um yeah and so how soon after you guys got together did you go driving for the first time pretty well straight away um I was still working at uh, at the stud and Luke was contract fencing at a place at the time. Um, so we, I went and helped him. I'd left my job and went and helped him. Um, and then at the same time that he was doing that, he also had a um, had the driving mob on the road, but he'd sent one of his friends to go and do that. Um, but we'd go and help every sort of weekend just so that he could get a bit of a break. And then it wasn't until uh, just before COVID um, we went on, it was Boxing Day. We left from Tamworth to go to Young for five months. Um, yeah, and then we got to Mar- March, I think it was, or oh, April. Just it was like a week or two before our wedding, and then yeah, COVID hit. Yes, that is um, definitely remember that. Yeah. So, also, so yeah, I'm, I don't know. People may not have put it together, but I was at your wedding because um, I was taking some pictures. Maybe <laughs> you were the first person I ever said yes to to photograph their wedding. Um, but coming back to the droving thing, what was so we've heard about? I guess some of the not so great parts, but what would the best or what, like the best memory be, do you think, 
or the memories or something that just comes to mind and there is a look on your face now so I know there is a story that has just <laughs> popped into your head. Oh, yeah. I um, Luke had – Luke and I were at the tail of the mob on horses and Luke said to me – we had the ute around the same sort of area and we ha- weren't far from like train tracks and things like that and Luke said to me, I'm just going to um, run up in the ute – to the lead and just see where they are and point them in the direction of where the um, reserve is. So you just keep bringing the tail. It's like, oh, yeah, I can do that. Righto. So he left and it had been – and I had his horse, like, bringing his horse along. It got to, like, an hour and I was like, where is he? And so I called him and I was calling him, calling him, and he wasn't picking up. His phone must have been flat. <laughs> And I was like, where the heck is he? I got to the lead and they were just everywhere. They were up on these train tracks and they were in this other paddock and I was on the horse and I had another one with me and I was like, didn't really know, like I was so flustered with what was going on. I was trying to get the cows off of the train tracks because the train came past like every hour. And um, so I started gathering all these cows together and I was calling Luke and I was leaving him pretty abusive um, abusive voicemails and text messages. And he turned up. <laughs> he turned up and he said that, well, I said, where the hell have you been? It was a bit more dramatic than that. And he said, oh, I just had to go and um, pay my um, tab at the bar, at the pub. <laughs> and I was like, What? <laughs> And so he'd gone to the pub to pay his tab, but then sat down to have a drink. Of course and he did. his phone had gone flat and they offered him the world's hottest chip. And so he said, yeah, I'll do it. So he ate this chip and apparently it was pretty hot and he drank a fair bit of milk and beer. And he got back and he was pretty drunk and he went to hop on his horse and he couldn't quite get, <laughs> couldn't quite get on his horse. Um, and I wasn't impressed, so I, I um, just to make things a bit easier, I canted the horse to the camp and um, jumped on the bike so I could race around the cows a bit quicker. So, yeah, that was our one of our moments. That is actually the greatest story <laughs> I've ever heard, and I can't wait to ask Luke about that. At, at this time, so if you're Instagram, coming back to the Instagram side of things, so you, it started to grow a bit in popularity in the previous years when you'd been at home. And then I know, I don't know, maybe it was 2014 or 15, maybe, maybe 2015 or 16. I don't know whenever I came across you. And so this would be like 18, 19 when you're out driving uh, or 19, 20 mm. as well. So it's continued to grow today. You're at about 26,000 followers, which is insane. That's pretty much like the central station account. So. Um, and you've continued to share your life through it. What has that been like, especially with you saying that you're quite a shy, reserved person, but you do share your life through it? Um, what's it like knowing, especially having 26,000 followers, like having so many eyes on you? Um, I don't know. I don't really think of it so much as having so many eyes on me. I just really enjoy sharing my life. Um, and sharing photos to friends and family that, that I probably don't talk to as much as what I should. Um, 
they get to see that sort of stuff and people really sort of relate to things you say. Like I'm not a very, um, yeah, like you said, I'm, I'm, a, I'm quite a shy person in person, but over the computer where I'm not actually seeing somebody in face-to-face, I'm very open and I'm able to talk freely and, yeah. It's funny um, because – I think that's that's a big part of the reason I wanted to do this episode is that it would be quite easy for everyone to have an idea of you just from looking at your pictures. Again, this smoking hot girl doing all these things um, and then knowing that in real life, like just wanting to know a bit more about you. And also I think there's been a few, you know, like a few bikini shots or a few, you know, cute photo shots. And the first time I met your parents was at an industry event and – as I like, as the pieces in my head connected, like to who they were, I was like, "Oh, you're Nikita's parents." And your dad was like, "Yeah, I mean, we're also like our own people, but yeah, we're her parents too." And I think that's certainly not the first time somebody had referred to them as Nikita's parents rather than like your, you know, their child. Yeah, um, Ben and Nicole's child. So. I think it's um because yeah you he's quite well known and quite popular within industry. It's led to like some modelling, a lot of like brands wanting to work with you. Um, but yeah, I just wonder what it's like. You know what goes into deciding what to post, when to post, how much you think about it. Do you get you know obviously there's a lot of love out there, but do you get some hate as well or? Yeah, I um sometimes. I don't probably post like the best things. Like sometimes I won't think about a photo. I'll just post it and be like, probably shouldn't have posted that. But, what kind um, of photos are we talking about? Um, pretty much like I shot a wild dog and posted that. It's still up there. Um, posted, uh, that I'd shot some camels. I'm pretty sure that's still up there too. And I got a lot of hate for that. Um, people telling me I should kill myself and things like that. You're joking. <laughs> yeah. Really? Um, but I think people don't really understand how much damage and how much of a pest those are. So, and I kind of, I just want to be able to show people, I don't know, probably shooting something and posting it. It's probably not the best thing. Um, but sort of get it out there that they are a pest and that they make a problem. It's a fine line to walk with. Um, wanting to educate people or make things available for them to educate themselves and share the reality of something. But um, I guess we're in such a politically correct, very sensitive world these days that people can get triggered and upset pretty, pretty easily. Because there's, I mean, there's definitely tasteless. Oh, what was it like? There was this. Ma- I know there are still magazines like it, but I remember seeing a magazine. A few years ago on Facebook called like Babes and Grunters or something about like chicks that did pig hunting and they're yeah, all like, it's like um hogs. No, what is it? It's just like boars and babes. Yeah, and it's just like all these <laughs> girls in bikinis or whatever, like with these dead <laughs> with pigs. pigs yeah. And I was, I was just like, that is so tacky and so, especially <laughs> because like the way when pigs are killed in pigging, like it's not the greatest animal welfare outcome. I I'm like, be in a bikini doing that. No, or like even once it's dead, if you got changed in a bikini, like, I don't know. I was, I was like that. So there's some pretty tasteless, tacky things out there. But it's not like you're out there holding this like wild dog, you know, being all sexy with it. Like you're in work clothes saying, hey, um, and I, I know I remember that post because we also put it on Central Station. And so, you, 
you had the picture of the dog, but then you also had, I think it was like CCTV footage of the pack of them attacking a calf and being like, and this is why this has happened. So it must be a really hard line to not want to fall into the trap of just posting, I'm a pretty farm girl and look at this sunset and this windmill and my cute cowboy hat and look how, you know, like um, quintessential my life is (laughs) when you know like you want to put the reality but, you know, people also really just want to see like one side of things. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I want to be able to show the reality of things like even since being pregnant as well or while I was pregnant, there was – so much I had no idea about, but I posted about it, um, how what I was going through, and I had so many women that were pregnant tell me that that's exactly how they felt as well. But um, they said that they didn't realise anybody else felt like that. Yeah, I admit I was surprised. Um, so, and I like, and I love, like, you put up a post only a few days ago about like your post baby body, and like, I think there's a series of photos, and you just, I guess. Again, like we can just put you in this like uber hot girl category and you just kind of don't think about how those things or that somebody in that like level of hotness would be going through the same thing as like, you know, the common folk. Um, I love that you're like, why are you saying this? <laughs> but yeah, you've been very candid with, with a whole range of things like so from like station life and now with motherhood, that side of things as well. Yeah, I'm probably one of those mums that post too much about their baby now. But no. my Instagram's just mainly all about Wiley. But um but yeah, that photo, like the series of um like my body changing through the pregnancy and post pregnancy was actually really hard to post. I um when I first had Wiley and I was still in hospital, I didn't realise that you don't lose that sort of straight away because I'd seen videos and TikToks of all these girls that lost all their belly and I didn't lose mine. I it was like a balloon there still. So I used to break down crying all the time and then like all my bum had stretch marks, like purple stretch marks. My boobs got purple stretch marks all over them and I used to cry about that all the time and my legs got cellulite and then like my stretch marks, the colours have gone away but they're all still there. But um, now I've kind of got to the point where it doesn't really bother me. Um, My stretch marks don't bother me at all. It's probably more the cellulite than anything. Um, and I think since having Wiley too, like I've gained quite a fair bit of weight, not a heap of weight, but just oh, it's like I've filled out a lot more. 10 kilos. I was <laughs> doing the math on your post the other day. It's like 10 yeah, kilos. But, I know. But, but I can understand, you know. But it's yeah. hard going from like, yeah, like the 55 kilos before being pregnant and within eight months, because Wiley was early, within eight months gaining um, getting up to 70 kilos, like that was a very hard thing for me to register in my head. And then after having Wiley, that not going away, but I think it was probably more just uh, baby blues as well, sort of mixing in with that. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Like <laughs> you've got, yeah, any any potentially like postnatal stuff and changes your body's gone through the change in just your life as well of like what you were able to do and now you can't go two minutes without the little tiny human needing something from you and there's a lot going on. So what inspired you to make that post? Um, Pretty much there was a lot of sort of pregnancies um, around the same time as mine. There's a lot of babies born within um, January, February, March 
that I know of. I know of like 10, um, 10 babies born around the same time as Wiley. So I kind of just posted it hoping that they would see it as well and see that, yeah, it is fine. Like if you gain weight, if you've got a bit of cellulite, it doesn't matter. And I think that's that's really important and what you've done is really important in that even though we may think we're at a day and age where, you know, that's happened a few times and we kind of know, you know, that not everything you see is a reality and whatever, even though we kind of know these things, like it doesn't really until I think there still needs to be a lot more of it before it actually something changes in our minds because there's so many people you see like Kate Middleton or, or um, Meghan Markle or whatever, you know, have their baby and then walk out the next day in their full royal get up and you're like, your hoo-ha just got ripped from A to Z or unless they cut open your stomach, which means you probably shouldn't even be carrying that baby. Like whatever's happening underneath that immaculate red coat and all that professional hair and makeup, like it's not – it's not realistic and everyone's – and there are people that within, say, a month or whatever, maybe that little bump goes away, or big bump, and there's people that six months later still kind of look like they're pregnant and it's not that they've done anything wrong. Like everybody's body bounces back differently. Yeah. Like you just grew a human for God's sake. Yeah, everybody's body is completely different. Yeah, like I noticed today like when you said something about like your pre-pregnancy genes like not fitting the same way um, – but your your actual body shape, like your hips have physically moved in a way that I don't think they move back up. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't think they contract. So, like, even if you lost, say, all the weight or lost all the fat or whatever, your physical, like your frame score, if we're talking cows, is different. Like yeah. your body has, yeah, physically moved to allow this little demon child. <laughs> he's not a demon child. He's adorable. <laughs> but, you know, to come out. So there's going to be – you know, clothes are made to fit you. You're not made to fit clothes, but we don't really think about it that way. Pretty much. Uh, so the jeans I'm wearing now, they were two sizes too big for me. They're men's um, cinch jeans, and now I am battling to zip them up. So my hips, I've always been a very big hip sort of person, um, but my hips have got that big and my thighs have actually got that big that any pants that I did have would not make it past my knees. <laughs> so, uh, and dresses. I just bought so many dresses before I found out I was pregnant and I couldn't wear any of them. Um, and now I don't fit any of them. So, anything that I do have, I have to go over my head, <laughs> over my shoulders <laughs> to put on. <laughs> well, also men's jeans, though, like men don't have hips. So, men's jeans are probably not made for that either. But I guess – I know I don't want to lose our non-rural listeners, like our city listeners, for this next little bit. But I guess if you think about a cow or a heifer before she's had a calf, you know, they're like a little teenage girl or whatever. And then even when they've had a few calves and they're not, you know, big and fat and pregnant, you know, they're just like, you know, living their best life, looking good and fit. They're a physically bigger animal because they've grown and they're just – it's like a different level of maturity or something that I don't think you would ever – to stay exactly as you were beforehand would probably require some level of like malnutrition, which would be obviously terrible for you and the baby and just, you know, like I just think it'll become a new normal. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't know, I love I'm like, here, Nikita, let me tell you how hot you are. And then also <laughs> that, yes, you may have gained 10 kilos, but you're still also way hotter <laughs> and still skinnier than me. So you're still like 10 kilos lighter than me. <laughs> Actually, you are. Yeah. <laughs> you would be. 
Oh, and I didn't even have a baby. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, if you'd listened to more episodes, you'd know that this is probably pretty, pretty on brand and you'd be prepared for this. <laughs> like, hang on, nobody warned me it was going to be like this. <laughs> so with the experience on Instagram, I am actually, I, I anticipated there'd probably be some hate at times. Um, I was just thinking more from people being jealous because you're hot. Like that's me being like, Oh my God, why? Why is she so pretty? It was like me taking all of your wedding photos. I was like, Oh, I love this photo, but why is she so pretty? And then when I met you that day, I was like, Oh, and she's nice no, she's too. <laughs> no, I was like, and she's nice. Like I was just dying. I was like, can you at least be a bridezilla? Can you at least be like the <laughs> devil? I mean, that would make you, you know, you can't, you can be one or the other, you know? So that's why I'm more personality, hey? Um, but no, you've got it all, but that's okay. Nah, um, I, I, yeah, I was, I guess with the wild dogs and, and kind of anything that may be a bit controversial or sensitive for people in that area, I can anticipate some hate, but what do you find is the, I guess the normal, a normal day's feedback or something that you get from people? Like, what has the experience been like having, like, do you get people messaging you all the time or reaching out or? It sort of depends on what I post. So if I post something, um, like a bikini photo, I get, I actually have a lot of, um, older men <gasps> restricted. Oh, wow. So on your, on your, oh, Instagram, your you can actually restrict who comments things. Oh. Um, so I have a lot of them restricted because they post a lot of Ooh. creepy stuff. So um, pretty much that. Um, but if it's something about Wiley, sometimes people will send back um, like love heart faces and things like that in my stories. Um, yeah, so it just really depends on what I've posted for the day. What has been the best thing to come from the the profile that you have on Instagram and having like it's a great platform like you have you know if there's a message you want put out like you you've got a great platform to start from you know that you can get a message out to a lot of people very quickly it's open doors you've had um brand endorsements i think with like Wrangler and Aria i know there's some potential international opportunities you know um that may be on the horizon like it's it's certainly opened a lot of doors for you but what would you say has been the the greatest, I guess, blessing of it all? Um, probably being able to post something. If I'm needing to find something around Australia, like um, help, like work, if I'm trying to find somebody to help us with a job, I can put a post on my stories and within a few minutes I've already had quite a few people messaging saying that they want to come and work for us, which is really handy. I thought you were going to say that through Instagram you met your wedding photographer and you thought that was like the that best too. outcome ever. Sorry. <laughs> no, that so too. modest, so modest. <laughs> I do have a question here written down. Um, what do you think is the biggest, and I guess this, I feel like this ties into the Instagram thing as well. Um, what do you think is the biggest misconception that people have about you? I don't really know. Nothing's coming to mind. Not really. You know, that's actually probably a pretty good answer though because that means you're not sitting there thinking about what people are thinking about you, which I've only just picked up on as I'm saying that now. Yeah, like I – yeah, I don't, I don't know what would, what would really be it. I just, yeah, hope people sort of 
I know that you can't get everything off of social media and like actually see people um, for who they really are, um, but I hope that I can be able to share my life as much as possible um, with people that they sort of understand who I am. I don't sort of, I don't see myself as famous or as an influencer or anything like that. I sort of just, I don't know, kind of post photos and I just enjoy um, people interacting with my photos. Um, yeah, people seeing them and seeing um, how different life can be. Actually, we probably do need to get you back on the other end of a camera because from memory, you used to take some pictures. I did. Because I feel like we'd spoken years ago about watermarking and stuff you photo like. So you used to, maybe we need to get you back yeah. behind the camera as well. I did. I mean, your um, phone photo's pretty good too, but oh, thank you. you're, you're pretty half handy with a regular camera <laughs> too, though. Yeah, and I, I used to enjoy it quite a bit. And then, I don't know, I just sort of died out of it. I think um, I quite enjoy the video side of it um, and all the little videos and clips that um, that you can make of them as well. Yeah, are you into like those like reels or TikToks yeah. or any of that? Oh, not so much TikToks. Like I, I don't dance um, unless I'm <laughs> yeah I'm drunk. But oh, I knew I should have filmed you on the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but I um, but yeah, I really enjoy like the little clips people make um with like horses running wild or um like mustering and things like that. Yeah. Interesting. So much. We've covered so much in this chat. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm probably going to plan another one for when you come back. I know you'll be back in town in a few months for your sister's wedding. This rate, I'm just going to try and photograph the whole family. I'll be two for five at this point. So I don't know. Better start making friends with the other <laughs> sisters. <laughs> They'll listen to this and be like, uh, no. But, um, yeah, gosh, we covered so much from like what you were like as a kid and growing up and meeting Luke and yeah, a bit of the Instagram, um, yeah, Instagram stuff. And then of course, yeah, women and agriculture. <laughs> we totally got off topic there, but I do, I do enjoy that. So I like to finish up every episode by asking the question, looking back on your life so far. And I put the emphasis on the so far because you're still quite young. We little grasshopper. What would you say is the major takeaway lesson that you've learned? Um, mine would have to be if you do live on a property or have been on a property um, growing up, I would say leave, go and experience the world and experience life. Like even now I wish, like I love Luke and I love Wiley, but I wish before I had done any of that, I'd gone travel, gone traveling overseas. Um, not saying that I can't do it now, but it's just a bit harder now, and I have to probably wait until I'm a little bit older. Um, but yeah, I would just say to anyone that has grown up on a property and is planning on living there, leave home, leave the property you're at, go and experience life on another property uh, or a few other properties, get a trade. Um, See how other people work cattle and run their station. Um, everyone's very, very different. Uh, some people are pretty calm. Some people are just wanting to get the numbers through. So, yeah, and it, it, it's good because if you can take what you've learned home, there's so many things that you can change that you and your family used to do 
and that they would probably be open to changing. Um, and for someone that's not on a property, um, like a town person or a city person or wh- whoever or whatever you do in general, I would say try anything and everything. Um, everyone needs to sort of push themselves to do things that they've never sort of done before. And even if it does sort of get you out of your comfort zone, you will definitely not regret it. Um, you will learn so much more about yourself if you just push yourself. 